and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this Sweet 16 and Elite 8 round matchups on the NCAA tournament card this weekend. I'm going to welcome in our co-host, Victor King, from King Creole Sports. And just a quick note also, we'll be hopping out to Las Vegas and checking with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas to check out what's going on in Vegas as we get set for another wild and wacky NCAA basketball tournament week. And Victor, I don't think I've ever seen in my memory a more stunning weekend of events that we saw in the NCAA tournament last week. You know, a lot of people are using the word unprecedented when it comes to last weekend. I don't know if I would go that far. Uh, A tournament revolution, perhaps, yes. But yeah, there were some things that had not happened before. Of course, a number one seed losing to a number 16 seed for the first time. And the fact that uh, four teams in a region, the top four seeds, failed to advance to the second round. The funny thing is, I believe it was in the south bracket. And I think I kind of shot myself in the mouth last week when I said that that would be the only bracket in which the top four (laughs) seeds make it to the second round. And they didn't with Virginia, Cincinnati, Tennessee, and Arizona all going down in that black and blue south bracket. Unbelievable. The number two seed, Cincinnati, they blow a 22-point lead midway in the second half of that basketball game. Uh, it's only the uh, one time had it ever happened that not did a number two seed make it to the Sweet 16 round. Now it's two times in the last 22 years because of what Cincinnati failed to do, if you will. We also can talk about a little bit their Queen City brethren, Xavier, number one seed in the tournament. They blow a big 12-point lead late in the basketball game. They're home watching the games with us this weekend as well. And how about number two seed North Carolina, Victor, the worst loss in Roy Williams' career in the NCAA basketball tournament. They just completely choked out and gassed out. You combine that with that miracle win by Michigan, uh, probably the most uh, highlighted winning game shot, at least in this tournament, uh, maybe in memory. Uh, going down with the pool, hit that shot for Michigan. That was really uh, much to behold. And then we haven't even talked about the divine intervention uh, that's happening in Loyola with the Ramblers and uh, you know their two skinny, narrow victories to put them into the Sweet 16 round. Uh, all in all, it's been quite stunning. And I don't know which of these events you know that I just kind of overviewed, and I'm sure a couple more that you might want to talk about uh, stand out ahead of one another, but. Uh, you know, from Virginia, the first ever number one losing seed to Cincinnati and so forth and so on and so on. It's just a mind-boggling head-scratching as we get ready for this weekend. You know, I think that the MVP in terms of the media of the opening weekend was not even a player. I think it was Sister Jean of Loyola, Chicago, who that divine intervention, yes. very, <laughs> very, very, very sharp in regards to her knowledge of basketball for her Loyola, Chicago Ramblers. It uh, a slightly 
pretty good weekend for the underdogs. I'm showing 26, 24, and 1 now. ATS, that's against the spread for the underdogs through the first couple of rounds. If you're an under better, you've had a very good weekend thus far. Uh, I've got the numbers broken down for the over-under fans out there. In those first four games, the play-in games, the games that were played last Tuesday and Wednesday night, all four of those went under the total. The Thursday games, 10 out of 16, went under the total. Friday's results in the NCAA tournament, 7 and 9 over-under. Saturday's results was the only day of the six total days in which there were more overs and unders, 4, 3, and 1 over-under. And then Sunday's games went over. Five out of the eight games on Sunday went under. So we are at currently 20 overs, 32 unders, one tie thus far. A pretty good game, if a uh, pretty good weekend if you like betting the unders in the tournament like we generally do. Yeah, tournaments usually spell defense. Defense usually prevails. You have to have some offense to move along the way as well. I asked Virginia about not having an offense and what that means to their success. But uh, it's been, like you said, a pretty good tournament for the under players as well. Victor was spot on under. We talked two games last week with our totals. And we're going to talk a little bit about more two more feature games, and one on Thursday, one on Friday on this final segment of Mark Lawrence against the spread, our special sweet 16 edition. And Victor, before we go over to those two games that we're going to preview here, one other thought I have in passing is how fortuitous it's been for Kentucky, the way that the draw came and what's fallen, everybody that's fallen in front of them. We have this in our coffee club on Wednesday. It's uh, we call the, uh, a point that we call the fortuitous scheduling fluke that Kentucky is involved. And if Kentucky continues to win, they're going to have faced the number 12, 13, and 9 seeds on their way to an Elite 8 game against either a 7 or 11 uh, out of that bracket here. And this will be the first time you got to go all the way back to 2008 when it was Kansas uh, that did not face a top 6 seed on route to the final four. And there's only been one other team in the NCAA tournament history that had an easier road to the final four than will Kentucky, should Kentucky to keep continue to keep winning. That was Arkansas. you got to go back to 1990 when they beat numbers 13, 12, 8, and 10 seeds. So I would think for everything that did not look all that rosy for John Calipari's Wildcats most of the basketball season, too young, no cohesiveness, couldn't get them on the same page together here. Victor, we just might see Kentucky cutting down the nets this year, at least making it to the Final Four. You know, they've made it to the Sweet 16 in, what, seven out of nine seasons under Calipari, and they've reached the Elite Eight in six of those seven seasons. A lot of people are saying it's a little bit unfair, their path to get there. Calipari, of course, does his share of complaining in regards to the site and the seeds, but it is what it is. It's the luck of the draw for the Wildcats. Yeah, the sight and the seeds, and look where he's at. He's in this rocking chair right now to make it to the Final Four. Uh, you know, I'll, We'll point out that in the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide, and uh, we just put that out, guys. It's online at playbook.com. It's our final college basketball newsletter for the season here. We'll be doing two special edition NBA-only editions for the NBA when Victor will wall-to-wall coverage for the NBA for the final two weeks of the regular season starting next week. But today, you can download the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide. And in there, a great job once again by Victor and the crew at Playbook.com of putting these great stats together here. Uh, I have in there the Super 16 coaches and their records of every coach 
in the Sweet 16 round from the Sweet 16 on out and how they fared. And I'll say this, that in the Sweet 16 round, no coach has done better than John Calipari. He's 11-2 and two straight up into the spread in his career in Sweet 16 round games. Does that mean that I like him in this game? No, not necessarily. And when you read the Sweet 16 guide, you'll find out why. All kinds of great information in that guide. You might want to think about downloading that just in time for what looks to be another wild and woolly Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight round weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Dick and I, we're going to tear down two key matchup games on Thursday and Friday Sweet 16 card. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Andy Isco to find out what's going on in Vegas when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on our final Mark Lawrence against the spread podcast for this season. We'll be back, Victor and I, along with Andy Isco in September when we kick things off for the college and pro football seasons. But we're right now we're doing our special edition Sweet 16 podcast for the NCAA tournament. And with that, Victor, let's move on to our two featured games that we've got isolated on Thursday and Friday Sweet 16 card. The first game on Thursday finds the Michigan Wolverines taking on Texas A&M in a matchup of two pretty good defensive basketball teams. However, is there value to the over, or are we going to look to the under here? Victor, how do you see this game shaking out? Right, this is the first game with a doubleheader in the Staples Center in L.A. Thursday with 7.35. Eastern is the tip-off. The over-under line opened 134.5. It's actually gone up by a point to a point and a half, 136 the last time I looked. Michigan opened, what, minus three. They're down to maybe two, two and a half. So according to the spread and the over-under line, the predicted final score somewhere in the neighborhood of Michigan, what, 69 and a half, Texas A&M, 67. And as you mentioned in your write-up in our Sweet 16 supplement issue of the Playbook newsletter, uh, defense has been the key for, you know, Billy Kennedy's bunch there for Texas A&M as they are, what, 15-1 and one when they held those to less than 67 points this season, 7-11 ATS. 
when they don't. A&M was a middle-of-the-road over-under team on the season, 16-15 and 15 over-under. They went 1-1 one and one in the tournament over by 3.5 points in their win against Providence, under by just one point in their victory over North Carolina that you mentioned at the top of the show. Their last six games against Big Ten competition, we note the Aggies have gone 1-5 and five over under. And from a statistical perspective, this one is leaning toward the under. If we compare year-to-date stats to last five game stats, A&M, last five games, they're down about four points per game on offense. They're down about three and a half on defense. So last five games, they're actually at a minus 7.2 compared to their year-to-date numbers. And Michigan's numbers are similar. They're down on offense by, what, two and a half points, down on defense by about three and a half. So they're at a minus 6.1 in their last five games. One thing about Michigan and under uh, Bayline, they've been known in the last few years as a pretty efficient, low-turnover offensive team that tends to struggle on the defensive end. And this year for Michigan, it's been basically the exact opposite. A very good low turnover offensive team, but been very, very good defensively this season, especially on the rebounding end. They limit the second chance opportunities for their opponents. They have won, what, 11 straight games. Uh, And based on the efficiency numbers, they've basically been the second best defensive team now in the NCAA tournament. They have allowed only eight second chance points per game this season. That is third fewest among all major conference teams. Yes, I like the under in this game. And for my money, the line can continue to go up with every half point. The line goes up, our under increases in value. I see this game finishing somewhere with both teams in the middle 60s, somewhere in the low 130s overall a 66 to 65 game, somewhere in that nature. I just can't ignore the fact that for two things on Michigan's regard is if it comes down to free throws, they're not going to automatically get their points. The Wolverines are shooting an anemic 65% on the season. And not only that, but in regards to tempo in quick play, they're ranked number 333 out of 355 teams. So, Mark, we're going low. We're going Michigan, Texas A&M under the total, and you can hold off because the line might even go up higher once we get to game time on Thursday. Either way, A&M, Michigan under the total. Victor's going under the total, a matchup of two defensive stalwarts between the Aggies and the Wolverines in the big Sweet 16 showdown game on Thursday. Coming into the context, Texas A&M comes in with a pretty strong record against this ilk or this class of competition this basketball season against 800 or better opponents this year. Texas A&M went up against four of those teams. They were 4-0 straight up and against the spread. So the tougher they were, the harder they fell as far as Texas A&M was concerned. Their head coach, Billy Kennedy, comes in with a strong record in the NCAA tournament in his career, where he's gone 5-2 and two straight up and ATS. And uh, looking at also here, Victor talked about uh, holding teams and how fortuitous A&M has done thus far this season 15-1 and one straight up in games when they've held opponents to less than 67 points this season. That's good news. The bad news is when they don't do that, 68 or more, they're just 7-11 and 11 to the spread. So if they bring their defense, strap it on, that 15-1 number might look pretty attractive for the Aggies in this basketball game. John Beeline from Michigan comes in, as you know, 
everybody out there knows that he's one of our favorite coaches in the postseason here, especially the NCAA tournament where he's now 20 wins, nine losses, and two pushes to the spread in his career. He knows how to win games in the postseason. That's why Michigan is in the Sweet 16 once again this year. You take a look at Beeline, however, in games against the Southeast Conference, he struggled in his career. He's only seven times against them. He's only won two games on the scoreboard, two and five straight up, 0-6-1 to the spread. In games against SEC opponents is John Beeline. And in fact, uh, if you take a look also, uh, Michigan themselves as a team has struggled against the conference going just 3-11-1 to the spread. Michigan is also what we call a Sweet 16 return E. These are teams that are back to the Sweet 16 round this year that were there last year. There are six such teams in the tournament this year. We outline these teams in the Sweet 16 tournament game. You can find out a little bit more in depth about what to expect from these teams. But this factor, as far as Michigan is concerned, being a Sweet 16 return E, they failed to win their previous game in the round of 32 by double digits. Teams that come into the Sweet 16 round as a returnee off a single-digit victory have struggled in this round, uh, going just 3-13 straight up, 3-12-1 to the spread if they're a number three or lower seed that happens to be the Michigan Wolverines. I'm going to bank on the Aggies in this basketball game and look for three points. If I can put three points in my pocket, I'll be in the Aggies for my side in this Texas A&M-Michigan game on Thursday. Victor, let's move it over to Friday now when we've got a big matchup with the two all-time winningest coaches in college basketball history when Jim Beheim and his Orange from Syracuse take on Mike Krzyzewski and the Blue Devils from Duke. This will be a classic matchup here, the Orange and the Blue Duke Blue Devils. Your take, Victor, on what we expect to see between these two teams on Friday. Let's see here. Friday night around 9.30 Eastern, Omaha, Nebraska at the CenturyLink Center. A fun game. Anytime you get into it this late in the tournament when you get a couple teams from the same conference, it's fun to talk about. It's even funner to digest in terms of our database because uh, we got plenty of uh, one-on-one head-to-head action that we can compare between these two teams over underline what opened 134. It's come down a half to 133 and a half. And if you're going to join me on the under in this game, I do advise you to get your plane as soon as possible. The line will do nothing but go down in this game. I played mine at 133 and a half. Syracuse, 14 and 20 over under on the season. That's not surprising given their fantastic zone defense. Duke, 18 and 5 over under on the season. They've been a very, very weird team in terms of, A, defense, but B, in their over-under results. In fact, they started this season going over the total in each of their first 10 lined games. At one point, the Duke Blue Devils were 15-5 and on the season over-under. And then, of course, the big switch happened. The light switch was turned right around February 11th. What happened at that time? Duke started playing zone defense uh, at a very high, significant percentage. Uh, let me see. Over the past 11 games now, since February 11th, they've allowed only 91.1 points per 100 possessions, the third-best defensive efficiency in Division One. In that span, they've now played zone defense 93% of the time, compared to only 29% earlier in the season. They're the only team in the nation to rank in the top 10 in both adjusted offense and now defensive efficiency. 
So when they made that switch, they turned into a fantastic under team. They closed the regular season with six straight unders in the ACC conference. They've gone one eight and one over under in their last 10 games. They went under in the NCAA tournament against Iona. They pushed in their win over Rhode Island. They've gone three, nine and one under in their last 13 NCAA tournament games. Which way are we leaning in this one? Of course, we're going under the total. If we would compare it to the first game we were talking about, I would consider the A&M Michigan game about a two-star play on the under. This one I would rate it even higher, about a three-star play in the under. Of course, you know, Syracuse lost to Duke in the only regular season meeting this season. The over-under line in the game was 142.5. Final score was 60-44. to 44. The game went under by 38.5 points. You got two fantastic defenses in this game. It may not be fun watching a game in which you are betting the under, but the under is the only way we're going to go in this game, Mark. And I don't know that Syracuse will get to the 60 or more points they need for this game to go over the total. I certainly don't think that Duke will get to the 72 or more points they will need for this game to go over the total. You know, in a game with a high point spread and a low over-under line, it doesn't matter what the sport is. Even in the NFL, when you see a 14-point favorite and a low over-under line of about 40 or less, you always play the underdog. So in addition to the under, I'm liking the underdog in this game. But again, we're going to go with a three-star play, Syracuse, Duke, and you're going to want to play it as soon as possible because the line will go down. Victor likes the under, stone-cold under in the Syracuse-Duke game for his side in this basketball contest here. He sees that Syracuse zone, the Duke offense, the two savvy coaches in a chess match going under the total in this big showdown game on Friday. This, as I mentioned here, is a matchup of the two all-time winningest coaches in college basketball history. And in fact, because of what happened uh, the first two rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament, after the dust is settled, this is from our friends at mybookie.ag. These are the current odds of teams to cut down the nets. Uh, in April in this NCAA basketball tournament. And with what happened, the Duke Blue Devils, the number two seed, are now the top choice, the number one choice, to win the NCAA basketball tournament at two-to-one odds. They're followed by Villanova at three-to-one, Kentucky at three-and-a-half-to-one. Then it's Gonzaga at seven-to-one, Michigan eight-to-one, and perhaps a little bit of disrespect to Kansas at eight-and-a-half-to-one. When I say disrespect just given the point that they're number one seed, but they're the sixth choice to cut down the net. So keep that in mind. Visit our friends at mybookie.ag for more on those current up-to-date odds. We talked about these two savvy coaches here, Jim Beheim and Mike Krzyzewski coming in here. Syracuse is allowing just less than 53 points a game in this tournament here. That's a pretty strong number here. They met Duke earlier this season. These are two ACC combatants. They played in Duke earlier this year when the Blue Devils prevailed 60-44 to 44 as 13.5-point home chalk. Now, a little bit of value, I think you might say, to Syracuse, given the fact that uh, you know, they're taking 10.5, 11 points on a neutral court here. Jim Beheim comes into here in the Sweet 16 round. He struggled in his career. He's only 3-7-1 against the spread. But... In his defense, Jim Beheim is also very good in this NCAA basketball tournament when his teams come in off a straight-up underdog win. He's gone 8-4 straight-up and 9-3 and to the spread in the very next basketball game. For Duke, the Blue Devils come in here 
in this contest here. 2-0 Suats in this tournament so far with wins by 22 and 25 points. They're rolling, and that's probably one of the reasons they're the choice, the number one favorite right now to win this NCAA basketball tournament here. Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski from Duke, a little bit mediocre in these Sweet 16 rounds, only 10-8 and eight straight up, 8-9-1 eight, to the spread, if you will. But when he's faced other fellow ACC teams in this tournament, He's won all three times, three meetings, three wins, two and one to the spread. And in fact, when those opponents had revenge like Sir, uh, Syracuse does here, he's knocked them both down two times. He's completed the hat or uh, completed the trick of beating both of those avenging teams, if you will. Uh, coming into this tournament here, we have this clash of ARP membership cards, if you will, between Coach K and Jim Beheim, but I'm looking at Coach K here, and the one thing that he has not fared well in these NCAA basketball tournaments is laying double digits. Uh, if you look at him in his career in this tournament, when he's laid double digits and his team has come in off of a straight-up NATS win the previous game, he's been in that role nine times. He only won, gone one and eight against the spread. So until that number improves, I'm going to play the defensive dog with Syracuse for my side in this classic matchup between Syracuse and Duke on Friday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas and join with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I'm sure it was quite a scene in Vegas at many of the sports books this past week with those wild and zany results that happened. Did you take in any of the sports books or were you watching it all from the comforts of your home? I did a little bit of uh, of both, Mark, but uh, the first part was uh, at uh, one of the local sports books, and it began very early with that Oklahoma-Rhode Island game, the first game of the tournament going into overtime, followed not too long thereafter uh, with Loyola's tremendous uh, uh, win in their opening round game, uh, and it just continued. It, this has been one of the more exciting and more uh, unpredictable tournaments that I can remember in recent years. You know, if you recall, Mark, and of course you and I are, are both old enough to remember, it was a late 1980s when these buzzer beaters started happening in rapid succession and the interest in the tournament really nationwide, if not worldwide, picked up. Then there's been a lull for quite a period of time. And this year, I think, resurrected the uh, dramatic finishes on a very, very frequent basis that uh, we remember from years gone by. Andy, would you say, let me ask you this question here. I know that uh, it seems like the popularity is off the charts in Vegas, especially throughout this NCAA basketball tournament, betting in whole, but the, with the NCAA tournament now upon us here. And would you say that uh, a main contributor to that might be in-game wagering? Uh, because a lot of that takes place on the apps, obviously, not so much at the sports book. You just don't have time to make moves. But are you finding that this in-game wagering on sports apps is adding to the handle in the sports books in Vegas? Is it as much as like propositions do in the Super Bowl, or is it still the same regular side in total in the basketball games that remains popular? Oh, there's no question about it, Mark, that the in-game wagering, uh, both uh, in, in the Super Bowl itself and in March Madness, has contributed uh, significantly to the increase in handle over the past few years. It is expected to uh, continue this year and well into the future. And you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's the explosion of the apps, the people who come in from out of town and are... Uh, 
Las Vegas or Nevada residents for the weekend. They come in on Wednesday afternoons. They put up their deposit. They sign up for a, a mobile app account, and then they can, uh, from the con- uh, convenience of their hotel room or in the sports book itself, uh, they are able to make wagers as these games go on. And of course, as you follow the volatility of these games, it's possible at one point during the game to uh, bet Team A as a nice underdog on the money line, and you know. 10, 15, 20 minutes later, as there are those traumatic swings, bet the other team as a nice underdog and lock and lock in yourself a nice profit, whichever way the game falls. And that's whether you had an opinion before the game or what many sports bettors are doing now, entering the game with no opinion and no action and waiting for the opportune moment, whether it be football or basketball, to get involved based upon the way the game is flowing and the way that uh, they handicap the way the game may ultimately play out. So it's been a tremendous boon. And by the way, one thing that I will recommend to people who do not have apps but want to get involved, it may take away somewhat from the experience, but there are some of the more localized sports books here in uh, in Las Vegas that don't uh, draw a tremendous crowd of bettors, even though they'll have a lot of viewers watching the games. Those are the places where you will be able to get up during the in-game wagering aspects, go to the window and make your play and not have to rely on the uh, on the phone app. Wendy, the reason I'm bringing this up is here, uh, it's what's happening in Vegas uh, right now, and it's uh, in-game wagering. And uh, with the supposed legalized legalization of sports wagering right around the corner, waiting on the Supreme Court to make that decision, and if and when they do uh, render a favorable decision here, and we do see legalized sports wagering, uh, a lot of what's going to be happening, I feel, behind the scenes are going to be the leagues getting behind the apps in these games uh, themselves, you know, because you know they're controlling statistics, they're the feed for the stats and everything and so forth and whatnot. And I think they realize of what's happening in the in the in the gambling marketplace here today is that how popular in-game wagering has become, especially with the younger crowd, and that's the crowd that the leagues are trying to draw attention to, uh, to support their sport, and uh, I think it goes hand-in-hand with one another, and, uh, you know, where I'm going with this, Andy, is, as you know, Victor knows, uh, we're going to be launching uh, a platform for learning how to properly wager on sports here at Sports Data University, and we're going to have instructors, Victor King, Andy Isco, myself, uh, some of the best-known names in the handicapping industry are going to be passing on uh, advice on how to do things properly, and uh, I'm wondering, Andy, if uh, (laughs) uh, would you be open to talking about uh, in-game wagering at the university as an instructor, uh, because I know that this is the wave and where it's going here right now, and it's kind of a, you know, a lot of people that don't do apps or don't do in-game wagering, they're going to be doing them sooner than later, and uh, I'm wondering whether or not uh, that would be a course for the university to discuss in-game wagering. Oh, absolutely. I think the two areas that uh, the public will greatly benefit from this type of information, in-game wagering and proposition wagering, because those are two fascinating items that have increased in popularity and availability just in the last three to five years. There's not a lot known about them. There are many different strategies. I'll give you one example of a proposition that uh, ultimately had me uh, on Kentucky as a plus $1.80 underdog against Buffalo in the uh, second round of the tournament. There was a proposition before the start of the tournament between Arizona and Kentucky Will Arizona make the Sweet 16? They were priced at minus 105. Will Kentucky make the Sweet 16? They were priced at plus 180. And this was before the tournament began. And, of course, I don't know what went into the 
uh, development of that prop, but we knew that Kentucky and Arizona, if they both won their first round games, were destined to meet in the round of 32, meaning that one of them had to make the Sweet 16. Now, obviously, sure. Arizona got upset by Buffalo in the opening round, but you're basically have, having an opportunity uh, for every $100 uh, that you wagered, you would be risking five uh, to uh, to win 80, laying the five with Arizona and uh, winning the 80 with Kentucky. Of course, Kentucky would have been the big underdog if they had faced Arizona. Nonetheless, that's the type of proposition that you can look for. And there are other opportunities as far as hedging future plays, uh, depending upon how the brackets unfold. So propositions, in addition to in-game wagering, I mean the 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 best example that I can use of an in-game wager that I that I played uh, in the past few months was in the semifinal uh, college football game between uh, uh, what was it Georgia and uh, uh, was it Clemson I believe uh, it yes. was uh, Georgia I had I had a, a ticket on uh, Georgia to. Uh, uh, what was it to, I think, uh, to win the, uh, NCAA, uh, the championship when the final four began and, uh, they were down at halftime, uh, or they were ahead at, uh, I forget the situation, but the, the team that was trailing at halftime was a huge underdog in the second half. So I played the underdog in the second half tied to my, with, with the ticket outstanding for the, uh, for the championship. And of course it turned out. Uh, correctly that uh, paid off at about four to one, even though the team that I had played maybe was, uh, it wasn't, uh, I don't think it was Clemson. It was uh, one of the other Georgia, teams that they o played. Georgia and Oklahoma, Oklahoma probably. Oklahoma, right? yeah. Right. Oklahoma, right. yeah. I had an old future ticket on Oklahoma. And so Oklahoma went down, but I collected on the four to one on, uh, on Georgia coming back to win. They were down, I think, 31-17 at halftime. You have that all the time in these college basketball situations because of the fact that you have great volatility in both college football and pro football, where uh, I'm sure you know, Mark, one of the best uh, situations you look for, whether it be in college basketball or college football, is for the favorite to be trailing outright at halftime. Well, that's really juicy when it, <laughs> when it comes to proposition wagering. No question about that. And, uh, I'm sure it gets a lot of people's interest. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, talking about what's going on with the NCAA basketball tournament as we head into the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 rounds of the tournament this weekend. And, Andy, before I hand it over to Victor for the question he wants to run by you on the show this week here, were you surprised uh, – the fact that the Duke Blue Devils are now the favorite to win this tournament. Uh, I know there was people that maybe thought uh, they may have been a number one seed, and they weren't. And the fact of the matter is that Virginia had all the uh, accolades and so forth and whatnot now. But with Virginia bowing out, now Duke becomes the number one choice to win this tournament. Is that, uh, do you think, a correct move? Or who would you make the favorite to win this tournament moving forward? No, I, I understand it totally because their path to making the Final Four has been made uh, considerably easier with the way that the uh, field has uh, unfolded, how the brackets have unfolded, and the fact that the team that they are likely to meet in the uh, regional finals uh, would be uh, Kansas, which has been a somewhat vulnerable team throughout the uh, course of the season. Uh, they are expected to... Uh, uh, I heard you talking about it, and I'll be talking about that game as well shortly. Uh, they are expected to uh, get by Syracuse to be able to play for the right to go to the Final Four. And uh, 
the other reason why it makes sense to make Duke somewhat of the favorite is to dis- is to attract money on Duke because they are so loaded with money on Villanova, who is now the overall favorite as far as from the seedings and the brackets go to uh, to win the tournament. But uh, looking at Duke's experience, looking at the way that Duke played down the stretch, it makes perfect sense for them to be uh, the betting favorite. Although it's interesting enough, Kentucky, a number five seed, is I think the fourth or fifth favorite in the field at odds of only, and I quote, only six to one, which is pretty low for a five seed, even though we've never had a situation develop such as we have this year with a five seed is the lowest seeded team in a region. Or, or actually the highest seeded team when you turn, look at it in terms of quality, the lowest number seed in terms of five versus the others in that field. Aha, uh-huh. so the attraction to Duke being the choice right now is money. Isn't that always the case? Money, uh, the reason that the books would like to see money coming to Vegas to offset a little bit of that Villanova uh, money that was laid early on and before the start of the basketball tournament here. Victor, I know you got a question you want to run by Andy on the show as well. I did, and I know we're in the Sweet 16 portion of the NCAA tournament. There are, however, some lesser tournaments still being played. Uh, we're getting into crunch time in regards to the CBI tourney, the College Insiders tourney, and particularly the NIT. You know, a lot of people, Andy, are saying that there was easily seven or eight teams in the NIT tourney that could make a case for making it to the big dance. Uh, Tuesday night was upset night in the NIT tourney with Penn State beating Marquette on the road and Mississippi State slamming Louisville on the road as a big underdog and winning that game outright by 20 or more points. Andy, is there value in some of these lesser tournaments? And second off, was this one of the better fields you've ever seen in the NIT tourney? It was an outstanding field in the NIT tournament. And to answer your question, Victor, absolutely there's value in these other tournaments. Uh, The... Bookmakers spend most of their time evaluating how to put up lines and futures, etc., regional odds for the main tournament, because that's going to draw, oh, I might say 95% of the total action in the college basketball postseason, with the remaining 5% spread out amongst the NIT, CBI, and CIT tournaments. Uh, as a result, they don't spend as much time. There, there's also opportunity from the standpoint of uh, going to the local websites, the local Twitter feeds of people covering those smaller schools to gauge the interest level of the teams playing. One of the things that was interesting is that there was a report before the tournament began that Louisville had voted not to play in the NIT, uh, but uh, the administration said, you guys are going to play. And we saw in their first half against Northern Kentucky that they weren't really all that enthused about playing. And yet uh, they're down at halftime. And, you know, when you roll the ball out on the court, you're still basketball players and you're still trying to play the game of basketball. And they came back and won that game. They won the next game before falling last night at home to uh, Mississippi State. So a lot of these teams that ultimately uh, go on runs may not have been uh, the greatly enthused about participating, but once they start playing, uh, they uh, play up to or very close to their ability. And there are a lot of situations in the NIT where you can get some of these smaller schools from even some of these conferences that are not lined conferences during the year who look at this as an opportunity to make their season, especially when you've got one of those uh, lower level teams from those conferences going up against a named conference that may have had 
oh, a 16 and 14 season opportunity to make a name for themselves. So underdogs often present some very good opportunities in these NIT and CBI tournaments, especially the CBI and the CIT, because you don't have as many named teams in those tournaments as you do in the NIT. And again, those games are being played for the most part at home courts until you get to the semifinals of the NIT. So you can use some uh, traditional handicapping principles to have great success, both in sides and totals. I haven't done an evaluation yet, but also keep in mind over the last few years, and again this year, the NIT is experimenting with several key changes, including moving right. the three-point line back and also playing the game in quarters as opposed right. to halves. I don't particularly like the quarters. I imagine the coaches might like it because it's like an additional timeout between the first and second and the third and fourth quarters. But there is some experimentation, and if you do some astute handicapping, you might be able to find some things that are not going into the lines-making process because the lines-makers don't really have a great opportunity to evaluate the potential impact of those changes. But a lot of the guys who bet sports for a living have been up and looking forward to this for several months, anticipating what certain matchups might be. For example, the last the matchup last night between Penn State and uh, Marquette figured to be a high-scoring uh, game, as it turned out that it was. And there have been other matchups that figured to be low-scoring games because of poor three-point shooting on the part of both teams now having to shoot three-pointers from a little bit longer distance. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas joining us as we overview the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 round matchups upcoming this weekend. And before I let Andy go with his complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners out there that if you like Major League Baseball, you'll love visiting TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy does a great job number crunching. As you know, statistics are the key to winning, and Andy does a great job with that at his website. Check it out at TheLogicalApproach.com between now and the start of next football season. With that, Andy, what's your take on uh, maybe a complimentary play for our listeners out there on this upcoming basketball card? Well, I heard you discussing it before my segment. Didn't catch the entire segment, but you did discuss the game between Duke and Syracuse, and it's interesting that uh, you wait 20 years for an opportunity to have NCAA tournament revenge. It's very unusual when two programs meet 20 years later and both teams are coached by the same guys who coached the first meeting. But it was back in 1998 when uh, Duke was a 13-point favorite uh, over uh, Syracuse. They actually won the game by 13. It was uh, Coach K over uh, uh, Jim Beheim. Uh, so 20 years later, Syracuse has an opportunity to turn the tables, although they're not quite getting 13 points. They're only getting about 11 or 11 and a half, which, by the way, is the largest line that we've seen in any matchup in the Sweet 16 between a 2 and an 11 seed. This is the 13th time we've had, uh, excuse me, the 15th time we've had such a matchup uh, since the 64 uh, seeding uh, began, 1 through 16, back in 1985. Now, the 2 seed is 12 and 2 straight up in this matchup, but only 7-6-1 against the spread. But the interesting point about this is that the average line in those previous 14 matchups has been only uh, 6.3 points by the favorite, and the average margin of victory has been only 7.8. So Duke is laying uh, not quite double the average line for this matchup, uh, but uh, certainly the largest line ever. Interestingly enough, the highest previous line occurred, I think it was maybe a year or two before the Duke-Syracuse matchup. Duke was a 10-point favorite over Minnesota in a 2-11 matchup and uh, won the game and covered uh, by a few points. Uh, the last uh, four matchups between a 2-11 and 11 have occurred within the last five years. Uh, 
The two has won three out of the four. The margins have all been close. Now, the most recent actually was last year when Xavier, an 11 seed, defeated Arizona, a two seed, as a nice-sized underdog. They won that game by two points. The year before was the, uh, uh, maybe it was two years before the cover, Gonzaga beat UCLA by 12. Previous to that, Michigan, a two seed, beat 11 seed to Tennessee by two, and Kansas State beat NC State by three in the last four occurrences. So the two and 11, which looks like it should be a lopsided matchup, has turned out to be the last four occurrences very, very close in three out of the four. You have that here. Uh, the We did see a matchup back on February 24th this year with Duke, and I think you mentioned this one, Mark. Uh, Duke was a 14-point favorite against Syracuse. Uh, it was 60 and 44 was the final. 60 to 44, Duke won and covered. Interestingly enough, and this is uh, something I found uh Fascinating. Uh, the total in that game was 142.5. We've seen a huge decrease in that total. The one concern that I have before looking to blindly play the under is that in the uh, last five matchups between conference opponents, such as you have here, and of course you don't have that many of them over the years because they had to change the rules that normally you can't meet until the regional finals, but when the ACC has nine teams in the tournament, has it uh, uh, did this year. It does set up the possibility in the regional semifinals. The last five, all five have gone over the total. Syracuse has been involved in two of the five a couple of years ago when they defeated Virginia and then lost the next round in the, in the Elite Eight to North Carolina. So I'm going to stay away from the total, but I am uh, going to take the 11 points with Syracuse. Beheim and Krzyzewski, a great coaching matchup. Not quite sure Syracuse pulled the upset, but I don't know that many people were convinced that Syracuse could pull the upset against uh, Michigan State last week. And, you know, Michigan State and Duke, pretty fairly comparable teams. They win in slightly different ways. Duke has become a much better defensive team over the second half of the ACC season. That plays into Syracuse's uh, preferred tempo of uh, play as well. So even though I just quoted those statistics about the last five conference matchups going over, the makeup of these two teams does suggest a lower scoring game than expected. We saw that in, or we see that in the significantly lower total between uh, the first matchup and the current matchup. A match uh, total now is roughly 133. It had been 142 and a half. And that, that type of point spread also suggests in a game such as this, where timeouts are critical, possessions are critical, an 11, 11 and a half point underdog is very, very attractive, especially again, when you consider the familiarity between these two conference foes. In a matchup of two coaches with over 2,000 career wins, a battle of ARP card holders, Andy's going to bite for the revenge with Syracuse in this basketball game and grab up the points. I agree with him wholeheartedly. We'll put down Syracuse for Andy's side in this basketball game. Andy, once again, I want to thank you for a great job on the show, not only during our special March Madness tournaments, but all throughout the football season. We're going to look forward to doing the same with you again when we come back for football here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck in the tournament and the summer days ahead. Well, thank you, Mark. And I do want to point out one sort of uh, interesting philosophical point to take forward into uh, following season. That is, I jokingly mentioned about the revenge from 20 years ago. I've maintained <laughs> that if that if you have to use revenge as a uh, as a factor in a tournament or what is in effect an elimination game, then there's something uh, that's not right. Uh, uh, that's not going well for you. you. You, revenge is something that makes sense in a regular season game to get your team to perform at peak level. The fact that you have an opportunity to win a national champion should ensure that your team is prepared to uh, 
perform, perform at a peak level in a tournament such as the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, revenge is nice to talk about, but they're looking at an opportunity, both Syracuse and Duke, at playing for a right to go to the Final Four by winning this week's contest. Excellent point. Well taken. Andy brings out about revenge, applying it properly. And we'll do that in the university uh, when we get our schools up and our classes rolling here. We'll talk, we'll drill down deep about when and when not to use revenge in situations here. And as Andy mentioned here, facetiously mentioning that 20 year revenge (laughs) between these two coaches here. But nonetheless, Syracuse, the good, solid handicap side of the game. We have Andy Isco down for that side in this basketball game. Once again, Andy, best of luck to you in the offseason here. And we look forward to visiting with you come next football season. Mark, Victor, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, seeing either one or perhaps even both of you uh, if you can make it out to Las Vegas over the summer prior to the start of football season. Likewise, Andy, enjoy the games and good luck to you as always. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away. When Victor and I come back for the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week. And Victor and I will also share with you our final thoughts on the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 round basketball cards when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the Sweet 16 tournament card this week. And we call it Not-So-Sweet 16 Returnee. And what we're looking to do is to play against any underdog in the Sweet 16 round of the tournament if they were a participant in the Sweet 16 round last season and they're taking on an 840 or greater opponent that's coming in off a straight-up and point spread win. These returnees do not fare well in this particular role, to say the least. Since 1992, they've gone just 3-12-1 against the spread. That becomes an 80% play against winning situation. This week, we'll be playing against West Virginia on Friday as a not-so-sweet 16 returnee on the Sweet 16 basketball card. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you got on tap for the upcoming Sweet 16 Elite 8 Basketball Tournament this weekend and your final thoughts on the basketball tournament card as well. Absolutely, Mark. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, our Sweet 16 tourney guide 
came out on Tuesday night. It is available. Eight pages of fantastic stuff. We've got the NBA page on the back for just $10. And you definitely want to grab a hold of a copy of yourself at playbook.com. We can't forget about the NBA these days. It's flying under the radar. We had a nice winner last night with the Utah Jazz Atlanta Hawks game under the total. Five and one now in the NBA in the last two weeks. And we've got another one going on Wednesday night. Now, during the show, we talked about the fact that, yeah, we like under in the Syracuse-Duke game on Friday. We like under in the A&M-Michigan game on Thursday. In Thursday's four games, the only one of the four in which I might consider going over the total would be in that uh, Cinderella game between Nevada and Loyola of Chicago. The over-under line in the low 140s right now. I got the game finishing somewhere around 148, 149, 150 points. Again, that's the only one I would consider. Yes, Loyola has gone under in each of their last seven games. Yes, they have the best defensive points per game allowed out of any team left in the tournament at 62.2. With that said, however, offensive field goal percentage, the Ramblers do lead all teams in the Sweet 16 at 50.6. Yes, indeed, they can score. And not only that, but any team that can score 75 points against a great Cincinnati defense, like Nevada did, gets my over-attention. So right now we are considering that one as our only over the total in Thursday's action. Again, we have our selections up at playbook.com. NBA over-unders in addition to a Thursday and a Friday game in college basketball. And, of course, uh, Mark, uh, best of luck to you this weekend as well. Well, thank you, Victor. I appreciate that. That's from Victor King from King Creole Sports. Check out all of your winning over-under total plays in the NCAA basketball tournament. Visit Victor online at playbook.com. And also be sure to check out not only the NBA totals today, but the final two issues of the Playbook NBA-only basketball newsletters. You'll be glad you did. Just a quick note before I get to my final thoughts on the tournament card here. Our friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering a 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 to anybody who logs on now for the NCAA tournament at mybookie.ag or call them toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2378. Also, you've heard me mention here on the show here about the Sports Data University, and it's an exciting new venture that will be rolling out over the summer here this year. We're excited about this. This is going to be an online virtual platform platform to learn how to properly handicap games. We're going to have World well-known instructors handicapping doing live classes at sportsdata.com. Mentioned Andy Isco, Victor King, myself, and an array of other sports handicappers and people in the industry that you're going to want to know their information. Know what we know. It'll be all available at sportsdata.com. Check it out. Go online. There's an information box you can fill out. You leave your name and address, and we'll send you information about these online learning virtual classes to become a better handicapper and learn how to win at this game at sportsdata.com. I've also got my $99 NCAA tournament weekend going this weekend, guys. It'll cover the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 rounds of the tournament. We've had a smashing running winning run throughout the conference tournaments, all throughout March Madness. Check it out at playbook.com or call me toll-free to get on board at 1-800-321-7777.
My final thoughts on the NCAA basketball tournament card as we approach this weekend here are as I would expect a return to normalcy. When I say normalcy, what we witnessed these first two rounds of the tournament were shocking results uh, from what we talked about at the opening of the show to where we've got right now. Uh, two number one seeds are out. The first time ever a number one seed loses to number 16. Unprecedented, uncharted waters for those results in the NCAA tournament here. I'm going to expect a return to normalcy. I'm going to see, expect to see some of the teams that are supposed to win games win basketball games. But that doesn't mean dismiss the fact that these live dogs still can't cash tickets here. So that being my final thought on the tournament card here, if you're looking to play Moneyline teams, I'd look to focus to these teams that are good, better basketball teams in uh, affordable situations, but look for a return to normalcy throughout the NCAA basketball tournament card. And Victor, before I sign off here for the final time, I want to ask you one quick question before we go. We'll be back for the 2018 football season here, but between now and then will be the NFL draft. And I have to put you on the spot. Who will the Cleveland Browns take as their number one choice of the NFL draft? Wow. Great question. You know, wow. Up until a couple of weeks ago, Mark, I would have said, take the best running back prospect of the last 10 seasons, Saquon Barkley from Penn State. And I was pretty adamant about that. But things have happened in the last couple of weeks. Recent events have got me backtracking a little bit. That uh, that most recent Jets-Colts trade, that, that kind of illustrates why the Browns might be playing dangerously if they do not take a quarterback, the quarterback that they want, with the first pick, I mean, one more trade to that second spot uh, with the Giants in the driver's seat means that a team that wants a quarterback, the Browns might be left looking at the third potential quarterback if they go with another position with that first pick. And that scenario would only work if, if the Browns feel all three quarterbacks are rated equally. But it could very well backfire on them if the Browns favor one of those three. Uh, they could pick the guy they want in this draft. They've very rarely taken a quarterback this high uh, in the, since they've come back into the league. They've already said that they'll sit and wait and learn behind Tyrod Taylor. And, of course, they're going to get a chance to get another potentially great player at the number four spot. And Barkley might still be there. So dancing around this could potentially be a mistake for the Cleveland. My uh, my long-winded answer is Sam Darnold. There you go. <laughs> we got to Sam Darnold is what we got to <laughs> in that equation. <laughs> and I'm a lot like you, Victor. Uh, you know, my thought initially was also Saquon Barkley because, and it still may well be uh, because he, you know he was he's an Ezekiel Elliott running back in the making here. I don't think they can afford to let a running back like that pass through. Uh, but they also, as you know, as you mentioned here, they do need quarterbacks. I've been on the Sam Darnold train for a long, long time. But as I'm driving in to do the show today, and I'm listening to other talk shows talking about this, this thought came into my mind. And it, it's like all these quarterbacks, the Sam Darnolds, the Josh Allens, the Baker Mayfields, uh, the, uh, Josh, the Rosen. Josh Rosens, right. Uh, you know, which of these quarterbacks would come closest to an ability to being able to deliver a football be more Aaron Rodgers like than any of the of the group of the four and my answer that was probably Josh Rosen I mean he's the guy that's got the skill got the ability to put the ball on the money on the mark almost every time 
and I don't think that's going to be overlooked by the Browns. But uh, bottom line to me is uh, I'd love to see Saquon Barkley in this backfield here. But And while I've been a Sam Darnold guy for a long, long time, I guess I'm going to revert to what I thought of last, and that's Josh Rosen uh, winning it out for the Cleveland Browns here. That's not to, uh, I don't think they're going to trade this pick. I, don't, I think they'll be shot forever if they trade this pick. Right. But uh, you, you're on Darnold. I'm on Rosen. I'm on Rosen today, Victor, when next week it might be Darnold. <laughs> but the bottom line is anything can happen with this NFL draft. And uh, we're going to also do our playbook mock draft at playbook.com, guys. So check that out a week before the NFL draft at playbook.com. We do a playbook mock draft, and we do really rather quite well with our mock draft. So check that out at playbook.com. That's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for our special Sweet 16 March Madness Tournament edition show. We're going to come back here in September for the 2018 football season. For our good friend Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas, as he always does from The Logical Approach, and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is always listening from above. Until September, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>